Let us pray. Our precious Father, we thank you again for the privilege we have to gather, to listen to your word, to hear you by your spirit teach us. We trust you to open our eyes and open our ears and to help us to understand your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we are rounding up the series on the things of the Spirit uh, that a Christian should be very familiar with because this is the time of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said this, it's important that I go so that he will come and take over from him and this will be the last age before uh, Jesus comes back. So the Christian must be very familiar with what the Holy Spirit is doing in his life with him and among the body of Christ. So we can live in the fullness of the benefit of the salvation and the responsibility confers on us as members of the body of Christ. So we start with revising some issues that we think is very important because they are very areas that people are confused about. That's the issues of the office of the prophet versus the inspirational gift of prophecy. We said that people have, you know, they have really been confusing these two things. Uh, the simple gift of prophecy being confused with the office of a prophet simply because the two names sound alike. It doesn't mean they're the same. They are not the same at all. And so we need to revisit that to take away that confusion. Because if you, don't, if you are not clear, clear on this, if the Lord is using you in this way, you confuse it with this one. And then it will hinder you. So now, a prophet, like we said, is somebody called of God and anointed of God to declare generally his will and his purpose and to teach it. It's not just to declare, but also to teach it because he understands it. So, is somebody called by God to declare God's purpose and will and to teach it to people, to exp explain it to people. So, and, uh, it's an office in the church, like you have pastor, teacher, evangelist, and then the other one, you know, apostle. So, these are five offices in the church. And then the, uh, the, the prophet, like we said, manifests supernatural gifts. There are four gifts, supernatural gifts, you find in the life of prophets, but they may not manifest the entire four. But there are two that every prophet manifests, two of them. Every prophet has them. Then there are other two that they can manifest, either one more or the other if you manifest them. But every prophet has this, this uh, simple gift of prophecy, which is not a revelation gift at all. There is no revelation in it in any way. It's simply a vocal gift, an inspirational gift, that God, the Holy Spirit, anoints you to bring edification, to bring exhortation, to bring comfort to people. And it's such a critical, important gift because it's like it shakes people from backsliding. Because we're in the middle of a lot of afflictions and things like that. Some of us, some of our expectations doesn't come true. So the, the, this gift is so important. Paul was praying that Christians should all have it. Because, you know, we need to make sure that people don't escape through the back door and then uh, slide into the world. So it's like a net that checks that. 
and then it encourages you to bounce back and to fight again, and you know, to live, keep living your Christian life. Very important for everybody because we all need to be encouraged. To comfort people in time of difficulty and losses and things is really, really needed because there are situations you don't even know what to say. But people with that gift, once they open their mouth, comfort is flowing. And we do need comfort because of the experiences we have. So a prophet manifests the simple gift of prophecy. Then the revelation gift of the word of wisdom. This is a supernatural manifestation by the Holy Spirit that he does through a person. This, this, this word of wisdom, word of knowledge, discerning of spirit, three of them are grouped in the, in the gift that is described as revelation gifts because they see, they know things supernaturally. They, 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 they operate by revelation. Like in the discerning of spirit, you see and hear into the spirit realm. They call it vision. That's a revelation. And then in the world of wisdom, you, you know supernaturally the purpose and will of God for a place or time. You have a revelation about it. And then in the world, world of knowledge, you also have a revelation of a fact that took place in the past or is happening right now. So these three gifts of word of wisdom, word of knowledge, design of spirit are all revelation gifts. They operate by revelation. They operate by the spirit of God showing you something. Either you see or you perceive or you hear in the spirit realm. So a prophet operates especially word of wisdom. Why? Because he is a person anointed and called to declare the will and purpose of God. So he has to also operate that word of wisdom because the word of wisdom is about the purpose and will of God. It's about the purpose and will of God. So a prophet operates word, gift of prophecy and then this revelationary gift of word of wisdom and can now see visions mercy may not and can now have word of knowledge about things, facts that are taking place now or facts that took place before. So a prophet may not manifest all of these things but he has two of them. And then like we said the simple gift of prophecy has no revelation. There's no revelation to it. Just to talk to encourage people, strengthen them, comfort them. That's all it is. Just like it's, it belongs to another group of gifts of the Spirit called the vocal gifts. Because all you do is you talk. It makes you talk. It doesn't reveal anything. It makes you talk. It makes you talk. So in that gift of, simple gift of prophecy, you talk under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. They defy people. And it's exceptional. Because once you start talking, it's by the anointing, specially called to do that. And then the same, it has the same uh, benefit as the gift of tongues, diverse types of tongues, and interpretation of tongues, which we've taught before. So now that's the office of a prophet. Now let's see examples to illustrate what I'm saying. Acts 11.27. And in these days came prophets from Jerusalem unto Antioch. And there stood up one of them, named Agabus. Now watch what a prophet does. And signified by the Spirit that there should be great death through all the world, which came to pass in the days of Claudius Caesar. Then the disciples, every man according to his ability, determined to send relief unto the brethren which dwell in Judea, which also they did, and sent it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. 
He said, this prophet Agabus came in and told him that famine is coming. Famine is coming. It didn't happen immediately. It happened in the time of this king, Claudius Caesar. And then when the Christians sent relief uh, to their, their brethren in Jerusalem. This is typical called word of wisdom because it had a revelation of future. What will happen in future? So this is word of wisdom. And then again, let's notice another one here so we can see clearly again the difference between the gift of prophecy, simple gift of prophecy, and then the, the operation of a prophet. In Acts 21, verse 8, the first one I read was Acts 11, 27. But now I'm reading Acts 21, verse 8. And the next day, we that were of Paul's company departed and came unto Caesarea. And we entered into the house of Philip the evangelist, which was one of the seven, and abode with him. Now you see, in the early church, they had evangelists. They knew them. They really knew them. All these things were operating in the early church. So, I mean, it should operate in, in the church like it was then. So they knew Philip as an evangelist. Philip didn't say, oh, now let me start my ministry. They were, Lord, we were operating under the authority of the church. All of them. Very humble. Very submitted. So Philip, the evangelist, which was one of the seven, abode with them. And the same man had four daughters, virgins, which did prophesy. These virgins were not called prophets. They were never called prophets. Philip was called an evangelist. These girls were simply, the, the scholars priests said, they simply prophesied. They never were prophets. Nowhere did they call them prophets. But they have this gift of prophecy, simple gift of prophecy, which speaks to men to exhortation, edification, and comfort. That's all they did. That's all the Holy Spirit identified them with. Well, let's keep reading. Verse 10. And as we tarried there many days, there came down from Judea a certain prophet named Agabus. Now a prophet comes, and rightly the Holy Spirit says, yes, this one is a prophet. But see these four virgins, they are not prophets. They are not prophets. But Agabus is. Remember Agabus came in and gave word of, word of wisdom. Now Agabus shows up again. You want to see how the prophets operate. So, and then in verse um, 11. And when he was come unto us, he took Paul's gado, bound his own hands and feet, and said, Thus said the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, so shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man that owned this gado, and shall deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. So you see, he gave again word of wisdom, that this is what is going to, demand, to happen to the man that owns this gado. Remember, he came in and said, well, there's going to be uh, famine. Now he comes in and he says, wow, this is what is going to happen. So you see that the word of wisdom operates a lot in the life of a prophet. So when somebody calls himself a prophet and does not manifest word of wisdom, does not manifest the simple gift of prophecy, you should, you should think twice about that. Maybe you find another place where God really placed it. So he says here and then in verse 12, and when he, he had taught, when we had these things, both we and they that they of that place besought him not to go to Jerusalem. So we started to plead with him not to go. Then Paul answered, what mean ye to weep and break my heart? For I am ready not to be bound only, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And when we could not, when he would not be persuaded, we ceased saying the will of the Lord be done. Now you see, 
In this point, let me bring in something again that's a place of confusion. God did not set up prophets to give you guidance. It's unscriptural to go to a prophet to tell you who to marry. It's very unscriptural to go to a prophet to give you guidance in life. In the Old Testament, yes, because all of them didn't have the spirit of God. The anointing was only on the king, the prophet, and the priest, period. Nobody else had the spirit of God working on him. But in the New Testament, it's a different dispensation. We are all sons of God. We have the spirit of Christ in us. We have the spirit of God. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So we don't need to go to another person that has the Holy Spirit to tell me what the spirit of God in me will tell me. It is not scriptural in the New Testament to go to a prophet for guidance. And that's how people run into demonic things because they break the scripture and God will work with you if you break the scripture. You, he's not going to do that because the word of God doesn't change. And when people start chasing prophets and prophets, they get in contact with demonic spirits. Demonic spirits. I had that experience before I got saved. Got in contact with demonic spirits and they were telling me things and everything they were telling was working because that's why it's called deceit. Called deceit. Until God opened my eyes and I saw that their life was not in line with the life of Jesus. And Jesus said by their fruits, you shall know them. Not by the miracles they do. And God delivered me from that. And when I left, I now saw a lot of things I didn't even see then. So, Agabus simply declared what was to come. That's all he did. He didn't tell Paul, go, don't go. He just said, this is what is going to happen. This is the will of, this is, the purpose. This is what I'm saying. This, this is what's going to happen. He didn't say to Paul, now, as a prophet, you have to go. No. He just declared it. All the people, they are begging Paul, you see now, this is going to happen to you. Don't go. And Paul refused. He said, I'm going. I am going. So, what Agabus did was just to declare what already has been revealed to a, a believer before. It, this thing was not news. It was revealed to a Christian before in Acts chapter 9 verse 10. And there was a certain disciple. So you know that the gifts of the Spirit is for everybody. A certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias and to him said the Lord in a vision. You see, because Ananias had this manifestation of the sign of spirit, he didn't call himself a prophet. He didn't say, now I'm a prophet. No. The Bible described him as a certain disciple. So if he was a prophet, the scripture would have said, and a prophet. Because you manifest some gift doesn't make you a prophet. Doesn't make you a prophet. And so, and he said, behold, I'm here, Lord, the 11. And the Lord said unto him, arise and go into the street which is called straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he prayed. That is, this is word of wisdom combined with word of knowledge. What is happening presently? Presently. Presently. I mean, sorry, this is word of, I mean, the sign of spirit was seen in, seen a vision and then word of knowledge working at the same time in the life of the disciple in verse 11. And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the street which is called Street, and inquire in the house of Judas for one cause. So, you see, in this, in this manifestation of word of knowledge, he didn't see a poor. 
if he didn't see Paul, the Lord simply said to him in a vision. God was talking to him in vision. He didn't tell us whether it was in dream, but God was talking to him in a vision. He had a vision. But in that vision, he was now being told that there is somebody called Paul. Which means he didn't see that part of it. So you see, part of this thing you, you may not see, but you can hear into the spirit world. You know, and verse 12, and then he says, um, in verse 11, and the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the street, which is called Street, and inquire in the house of Judas for one cause of Tassos, for behold, he prayed. Verse 12, and has seen in a vision. See, Paul also began to <laughs> see supernaturally by the act of the Holy Spirit visions. He has seen in a vision a man called Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he had done to thy saints at Jerusalem. 14. And here he had authority from the chief priest to bind all that call on, the name, on thy name. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for it's a chosen vessel unto me. Look at where I'm going really here. To bear my name before the Gentiles, number one, and kings, number two, and the children of Israel, number three, 16. For I will show him great things he must suffer for my name's sake. See, these things are happening now that God said he's going to suffer these things. That's what Agabus was saying. The man that owns this thing is going to suffer. God has said, yes. He is going to suffer. And Agabus said, this man that owns this is going to suffer. Declaring the purpose and the will of God for a person or a people or a group of people. This man is going to suffer. What Agabus said was exactly what God said through this disciple at Damascus called Ananias. 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 Now, this thing that, um, that uh, Agabus said, and Ananias said, was fulfilled in this very trip, in this very trip. Paul spoke to a king. Paul suffered. In this very trip, these things were fulfilled. In Acts 25, verse 23, and on the morrow when Agrippa was come, Agrippa was a king, Agrippa came and Benis with great pomp and was, and was entered into the place of hearing with the chief captains and principal men of the city, at Festus' command, Paul was brought forth. You see, there came this king, Agrippa, and the wife, Benice, and then there was this governor again, Festus, and the great man, exactly what God says, he will bear my name before kings. So you see, this trip to Jerusalem was going to bring him to that place. So what Agabus said was declaring divine will and purpose, even though Agabus didn't understand why, but he said this is gonna happen. That's what prophets do. They declare the divine will and purpose as the Spirit of God anoints them to say so. So now when these people came together, all these people, the kings, Festus, Agrippa, and everything, in verse 27, uh, then uh, this was uh, Festus talking. He said, for it seemed to me unreasonable to send a prisoner and not with her to signify the crimes laid against him. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, thou art permitted to speak for thyself. Then Paul stretched forth the hand 
and answered for himself. So they said to him, you cannot talk now. God said, you are going to bear my name before kings. Now they say, now talk. That thing God said is now being fulfilled right here. And then in verse 22, Acts 26, verse 22, you can hear Paul talk, having therefore obtained help of God, I continued on to this day, witnessing both to small and great, saying, none other things than those which the prophets and Moses did say shall come. So you see, those of you that preach, don't preach outside scriptures. Don't tell people things outside scriptures. Stay in the scriptures. Paul said, I don't preach any other thing except what Moses and the prophet already wrote. Remember that they didn't have Matthew, Luke, and John, and all the things we have today. So they had the writings of Moses and the prophets. And Paul said, I talk with scriptures. I teach only what the scripture says. Verse 23, that Christ should suffer, and that he will be the first that will rise from the dead and should show light unto the people and to the gentiles. So he started bearing witness of Christ that that God said at that time that he would, bear, he would bear my name before kings. You see, now he's preaching all these things. And because of time, let's just go down to verse 26. For the king knoweth all these things before whom also I speak freely, for I am persuaded that none of these things had, are hidden from him, for this thing was not done in a corner. 27. King Agrippa believes that the prophets. I know that that believer, you see, Paul asked him, do you believe the words of the prophet? The Paul didn't give him, give him chance to answer. He said, yeah, I know you believe. I know you believe. Amen. That man was careful. He, was ready. he said, I know you believe this thing. Then verse, verse 28, then I creeper said unto Paul, almost that persuaded me to be a Christian. And Paul said, I will to God that not only thou, but also all that hear me this day. We are both almost and all together such I am except these bonds, except this trouble. So you see what God told Ananias, and Agabus come and say, this will happen to this one. Fulfilled. It fulfilled. So Agabus was not in a position to give Paul guidance at that point. He was not in a position to give him guidance because the Holy Spirit has witnessed to Paul through Ananias, this is going to happen to you. So guidance of the Holy Spirit is very important for every Christian to understand it that's how you live your full potential as a Christian. That's how you escape the traps of Satan too, the disease of Satan. This is very important. So our guidance comes through the Holy Spirit, exclusively by the Holy Spirit and scriptures. Holy Spirit and, uh, guides us and then he uses inward witnessing, which we talked about. That is absence or presence of peace. And then the Holy Spirit uses also the scriptures to guide us and other means to us to guide us, which we taught. But we're just saying here, Romans 8 14, you don't go to a prophet for guidance. You go to God to guide for guidance. You pray for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. We are sons of God in this dispensation. We are led by the Spirit of God. We are led. And then this being led by the Spirit of God, it's not just you will marry A or marry B. If you focus on that, you miss out on the whole thing. Our entire life is, is run by being led. And the main leading really is to lead into the knowledge of Christ, to reveal Jesus to you. That's the main leading. Who you will marry is important. But those things are, the end here is to reveal Christ to you so that Christ is fully developed in your life. That's the main leading 
And every other thing will be added to us. But, you know, we don't see those things as the leadership of the Holy Spirit. We're only looking at, you know, where to walk, who to marry. And that's important. Very, I'm not saying they are very important. But let me tell you, don't miss out on the main thing of the Holy Spirit. It's to lead into all the truth about Jesus, about the cross, about what he achieved for you in the cross. That's why he came, really, to reveal Christ to us. Jesus said, flesh and blood cannot reveal me to you except my father. So the Holy Spirit is only him who can reveal Christ to us. In John 16, 13, but when he, the spirit of truth, that the truth-giving spirit comes, he will guide you into all the truth, the whole full truth. Jesus is the truth. For he will not speak his own message on his own authority, but he will tell whatever he hears from the Father, he will give the message that has been given to him, and he will announce and declare to you the things that are to come, that will happen in the future. So he will tell us things that will happen in the future. I keep telling people, he want to hear good news, he want to hear news, just develop fellowship with the Holy Spirit. He tell you everything that is important, things that the newspaper haven't even known is coming, he will let you know. He will tell you where this thing is going. You will know. The Bible says he will show you things to come. You know? So we are here. he's here to guide us into all truth. And the main guidance is the knowledge of Christ. Then he will tell, then show you the truth about what you're know, you supposed to be doing and who you are, where you go to college, where the job you do, who to marry. All those things are to show you. He'll guide you into all of them. In Hebrew 1.1, 1, 1, long ago, God spoke many things, many times, and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. Long ago, through the prophets. And now, you can't miss this. And now, in these final days, he has spoken to us through his son. The spirit of his son, the spirit of God. There are no two Holy Spirits. The same spirit of God is the same spirit of Christ. Romans chapter 8 calls it the spirit of God, the spirit of Christ. Christ is God. And now, in this final days, I've spoken to us through this, this son. God promised everything to his, the son as an inheritance. And through the son, he created the universe. John 10, 27. My sheep hear my voice. And I know them and they follow me. Look at the order. You hear his voice. He knows you because he knows you. Then you follow him. You can't follow if you do not understand the guidance of the Holy Spirit. You will go astray. To know that my sheep hear my voice, to, to, to hear his voice is to know him. Like a child knows the voice of the mother. It comes through intimacy. It comes through intimacy. You propose to develop intimacy and know Christ. That's what the Holy Spirit comes to do. To reveal Jesus, your shepherd, so you will know his voice. You know his voice in scripture. You know his voice. He speaks inside of you. You know his voice. You won't be like Samuel that God called that he was going to uh, uh, the, 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 the priest, the high priest there. When people don't know his voice, they, they run to men. They run to men. But when you hear his voice, you follow him. 
you go to him. People who don't know his voice run to men. They're looking for prophets all over. But people who know his voice follow him. Follow him. That's how to be a disciple. Very important that you know him and know his voice. This hearing his voice is, 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 is saying, you, go, you know me to the extent you identify my voice. Out of all the voices you can hear, you say, no, this is the voice of my, my Lord. Know his voice. Very important, very critical. Now, you see, this is not just about who to marry, what to walk. It's about knowing Jesus. Look at our Lord Jesus Christ in John chapter 4, verse 15. The woman said unto him, Sir, give me this water that I touch not. Neither come hither to draw. 16. Jesus said unto her, Go call thy husband and come hither. And the woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou hast, thou, whom who thou now hast is not thy husband. In that, in that, in that sayest thou truly. 19. The woman said unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Why? Because woman knows that prophets operate word of wisdom. Telling her facts on the ground, and facts before, I mean word of knowledge. This is word of knowledge. Telling her facts on the ground, facts present, facts before. Word of knowledge, word of knowledge, word of knowledge. He said, I perceive you are a prophet. Prophets operate the revelation gifts. And then Jesus proceeded to do what prophets do, to teach her about this mystery of God. In verse 19, the woman said unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and he said that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. 21, Jesus said unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when you shall neither in this mountain nor at Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship, you know not what. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, and now is, when true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father seeketh so to worship him. And God is his spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and the truth. The woman said unto him, I know that, that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ, when he is come, he will tell us all things. Jesus said unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. Prophets teach the, the mysteries of God. They reveal it not just by declaring, but also by teaching. In Acts chapter 15, verse 32, I just want to clear this position of a prophet so we don't get confused anymore. Acts chapter 15, verse 32, and Judas and Silas, being prophets also themselves, exhorted the brethren with many words and confirmed them. The Bible says, being prophets, because this is what prophets do. Being prophets also themselves, exhorted. They have brought the simple gift of prophecy, encouraged the brethren with many words and confirmed them. Being prophets, because they are prophets, they did this. This is what prophets do. The simple gift of prophecy. They exhort the brethren, comfort them, encourage them, because these were new believers. Being prophets, they did that. 
Now, what's the purpose of all these things we are talking about? Purpose of all these offices and gifts of the Holy Spirit. There has to be a purpose for all of this. Now, let's go to Ephesians chapter 4 and read from verse 7. For lengthy place we are going to read, and this is TPT. TPT. And he has generously given each one of us supernatural grace according to the size of the gift of, of Christ. This is why he says he ascended into the heavenly heights, taking his many captured ones with him. And gifts were given to men. He ascended means that he returned to heaven after he had first ascended from the house of heaven, even descending as far as the lowest parts of the earth. Let's go down to 13 because my time is quite running very fast. Verse 13. These grace, these grace ministries, listen to the purpose of it. These grace ministries will function until we all attain oneness in the faith. Oneness in the faith. Until our faith becomes one. One faith in Christ. Oneness in the faith until we all experience the fullness of what it means to know the Son of God. Until we establish our faith firmly in the Son of God who we know. The foundation of our faith. The cornerstone of the building. You remove him, there is no building. You remove him, foundation is gone. Until we establish our faith firmly on him and not on anything else. And finally, we become one perfect man. Listen to this. With the full dimensions of spiritual maturity and fully developed in the abundance of Christ, developed in the abundance of Christ, his life, the blessings he brings, the privileges he brings, in the abundance of Christ, fully, and all these things convey our faith in him. 14, and then our immaturity we end. Our immaturity we end And we will not be easily shaken by trouble. No more chasing after prophets. Easily shaken by trouble. Nor led astray by novel teachings or by false doctrines of deceivers who teach clever lies, demonic lies, clever lies. But instead now, we will remain strong and always sincere in our love as we express the truth. All our direction and ministries will flow from Christ and lead us deeper into him, the anointed head of his body, the church. For his body has been formed in his image and is closely joined together and constantly connected as one. And every member has been given divine gifts to contribute to the growth of all. And all these gifts operate effectively through the whole body. We are built up and made perfect in love. You see, when you are not operating in your own gifting, you are not contributing. 
You are not contributing in the growth of the body. You see how important these things are. That when a church doesn't have this thing functioning among them, that church will have a lot of babies. They're not going to grow because the Spirit of God says through these giftings, teachings, offices, what the Holy Spirit does through them, that the whole body receives nourishment and grows and matures and knows Christ and is rooted in Christ. And then the, 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 the fullness of Christ begins to manifest in their lives because Christ is their life and everything. Now, to experience the truth of God's word, we must have proper responses to what God teaches us. All the things we teach about the gifts, the offices, and all the things you hear God teach you, you must have proper responses for them for it to work for you. Number one is that we must not have spiritual apathy. Apathy is lack of enthusiasm, lack of interest, lack of concern. It's not an option. If you are pathetic to the word of God, it won't work for you. It won't work for you. They're not going to work. In Ephesians 4, 17, so with the wisdom given to me from the Lord, I say, you should not live like the unbelievers around you who walk in their empty delusions. Empty delusions. Deceitful delusions. Their corrupted logic has been clouded because their hearts are so far from God their blinded understanding and deep-seated moral darkness keeps them from the true knowledge of God. Shouldn't live with that kind of mindset. The same mindset that is devoid of the truth because we are pathetic. We are pathetic to the truth. Verse 19. Because of spiritual apathy, they surrender their lives to lewdness, impurity, and sexual obsession. But this is not the way of the, not the way of life that Christ has unfolded within us. In verse 21, if you have really experienced the anointed one and heard his truth, it will be seen in your life. Apathy will stop you because you have the same mindset with corrupted logic and arguments and choices that are totally not helpful. You have blinded understanding. And, deep, and then these things will, will keep you from living the life of, of Christ. You know, so if you have, to, verse 21, if you have really experienced the anointed one and heard his truth, it will be seen in your life. For we know that the ultimate reality is embodied in Jesus. Can somebody hear this? It's not laws of Moses. It's not Ten Commandments. The ultimate reality is embodied in Jesus and he has taught you to let go of the lifestyle of the ancient man, the old life, old self-life, which was corrupted by sinful and deceitful desires that spring from delusions. Now it is time to be made new by every revelation that's been given to you. It's time not to be apathetic for every revelation God gives works to make you who you are in Christ. All of them, gifts of the Spirit, offices of the church, they all work to make you mature and complete. Verse 24, and to be transformed as you embrace the glorious Christ within as your new life, as your new life, as you know him. Remember, the purpose of all this is so that we know Christ. And embrace him as our new life so that all the fullness of his life will be expressed through us. 
as our new life. That's what we're teaching the women by the grace of God a few days ago. And as your new life, and live in union with him. For God has recreated you all over again in his perfect righteousness, and you now belong to him in the realm of true holiness. That's what we're saying. Your hand is his hand, your eyes is eye, and everything. And like somebody said, I'm not going to the movies because this eye does not belong to me. He belongs to Jesus. And he says, I don't want to contaminate myself because you know the eye is a gate through which things can come into your life, what you see. Immoral things can get into your life. Greed can get, it can come in because of what you see. It's a, it's a gate. And this man said, no, I, I will not introduce spiritual germs into my life. It's just like a doctor operating with unwashed hands. He said, I'm not going to do that. It will kill people that are pastor. It will kill people that I'm their father. It will kill people that I have influence over. You know? So that's what the scripture is telling us. Then um, the risk we take but we run by being apathetic is Revelation 3, 14. Write to Laodicea, write to Laodicea, to the angel of the church, God's yes, the faithful, an accurate witness. The first of God's creation says, I know you inside out and find little to my liking. You are not cold, you are not hot, far better to be either cold or hot. You are, you are stale. You are stagnant. You make me want to vomit. God said, that's what I feel about this apathetic behavior. So we should covet these spiritual gifts that the Spirit of God is revealing to us. We should not be apathetic about them. They are very important. 1 Corinthians 14.1, let love be your highest goal, but you must also desire special abilities the Spirit gives, especially the ability to prophesy. We cannot neglect these teachings or the revelations that God gives to us. We cannot. Don't neglect the word of God. In Ephesians 4.30, the Holy Spirit of God has sealed you in Jesus Christ until you experience your full salvation. You come to full maturity. So never grieve the Spirit of God or take for granted his holy influence in your life. Don't take for granted these things we should study them and desire them. Don't take for, for, for granted. Oh, I have it. I've had it. If you have it, so what, what has it happened? What, has cha- what change has it brought? What change? What, what repositioning has, has it made so that you become a greater influence in your life and people around you? We shouldn't neglect this things. Neglecting the transforming value of revelation will cost us a lot. It will cost us a lot. Every word of God has a transforming power. Every revelation or teaching from the Holy Spirit has a transforming value. Has a transforming value. Don't look down on it. Don't don't pick and choose which one. Anyone he brings to teach you is important at that moment for you to know. So we cannot treat it with levity. Levity means a manner lacking due respect. Treating it as a joke. Not to be taken seriously. That's what a lot of people do. They listen to Bible stories. They don't take it seriously. They go live there as if God that is giving you that and doesn't know you need it. We must change our attitude. We must. So we see greater manifestation of the glory of Christ in our lives. Romans chapter 12 from verse 1. Beloved friends, what should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercies? I encourage you to surrender yourself to God 
to be in his sacred living, to be his sacred living sacrifice and live in holiness, experiencing all the delights of his heart. See, when you, when you surrender to his word, you experience all the delights of, of, of God's heart. Then he says in verse 2, stop imitating the ideas and opinions of the culture around you. Remember these people, the Bible says they live in delusions. They live in total delusion. Their mind is dark. They don't know God. You can't copy their choices. You'll be like them. And so God is not pleased in being neglected. It's not pleased. Nobody's even pleased in being neglected. In Romans 8.5, those who think they can do it, you see, the reason we neglect the word of God is because we are, we are obsessed with ourselves, obsessed with job, obsessed with money. We're obsessed with ourselves. What I want to be, what I want to be, suffering hard, working hard. We're obsessed with ourselves and we neglect the only person who can make us what we are. So Romans 8, 5 says, those who think they can do it on their own end up obsessed with measuring their own moral muscles. They never get around to exercise anything in real life. Those who trust God's action in them find that God's spirit is in them. Living and breathing God, obsession with self in these matters is a dead end. Attention to God leads us out into the open, into a spacious free life. Focusing on the self is the opposite of focusing on God. Anyone completely absorbs himself ignores God, ignores the teachings, the revelations that God brings to him, treats it with levity, doesn't even think it's important. He ignores God. He ignores God. The person and thinking more about self than God. Thinking more of job, money, dollar, than God. And then he said, the person ignores who God is and what he's doing. What the Holy Spirit is doing. He ignores all of that. Verse 8, and God isn't pleased at being ignored. And the scripture says, don't call what God is doing common. Don't treat it as common something. In Acts 10, 15, and the voice spoke unto him again. Second time, what God has cleansed. Thou call not, thou call not that, that call not that, come on. Then finally, I want to talk about this one. Don't give the devil opportunity to manipulate you into apathy, into loss of interest in the things of God. Don't let it happen to you, because that's a pathway to destruction. Ephesians 2, 4, 26. But don't let the passions of your emotions lead you to sin. Don't let anger control you or be fuel for Revenge, not for even a day, 27. Don't give the slanderous accuser, the devil, an opportunity to manipulate you. Don't give the devil opportunity to manipulate you. He's a killer. He comes to steal, destroy, and ruin your life, career, marriage. Don't let him, don't let him manipulate you. Watch out for fake prophets. With their lying wonder, Second Corinthians 11, 13. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their work. They are everywhere. They shall praise the Lord. 
pray, they say, you know, the devil does not call Jesus. Who told you that? When Jesus was there, was it not the devil that identified him? And said, have you come here to torment us? People didn't even know him. It was the devil that identified him, who he was. And Jesus said, shut up. The Bible said that the devil believes in God too now, but he trembles, he shakes. The weakest spirit on earth is Satan. He trembles because he knows the mightiness of God, the awesomeness of divine power, the glory of Jesus. There is no contest, really. There's no contest. When God, oh my God, there's no contest. This victory has been done. Jesus messed him up, showed him in public, and handed us the, the, the authority over him. Give us his name. Kick him out. So he's transferring to angel of light, 15. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed to ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. Now, see the lion wonders. Second Thessalonians 2.9. This man will come to do the work of Satan with counterfeit power and signs and miracles. He will use every kind of evil deception to fool those on their way to destruction. I want you to listen to the word of the Holy Spirit because they refuse. The reason they are going to be deceived is the choice they made. They refuse to love and accept the truth that will save them. All the teachings God is bringing to them, <laughs> Sunday sermon, Bible studies, Sunday school, they have no love for it. They treat it with apathy. They treat it with levity. It's not important to them. The Bible says because of that, because we are insulting the word of God, God will let the devil deceive you. It's here. Because it's the choice you made. You chose deceit over truth. Let me read it again. In 2 Thessalonians 2.9. This man will come to do the work of Satan with counterfeit power and signs and miracles. It's happening today. What do you see people running after miracles? Running after miracles, miracles. I don't see anywhere the scripture says we should chase miracles. We should follow Jesus. We are disciples of Jesus. Then verse 10. He will use every kind of evil deception to fool those, those on their way to destruction because they refuse to love. They refuse to love and accept the truth that will serve them. The truth, if you know the truth, shall set you free. They refuse. They will not listen. They come to church, but they have no love for the truth. They come to church, they have no love for Jesus. When they're in church, they, they want to leave. They're feeling irritated. They're not comfortable. They have no love for where they are. Love does not cause irritation. Love makes you want to stay with the loved one. Love makes, man, love is acceptance. It's, it's, it causes a desire for the loved one. There's a, a, a proverb that says, whatever is loved is always admired. They have no love for it. They won't accept the truth that will save them. Verse 11. So God will cause them to be greatly deceived. It's their choice. They rejected what God sent them to set them free, to keep them in the path of truth. They reject all of it. And God says, okay, fine, it's your choice. So God will cause them now to be greatly deceived, and they will believe those lies. They'll believe those lies. 
There will be a fight over it, over it, verse 12. Then they will be condemned for enjoying evil rather than believing the truth. That's why I think God is bringing, bringing these teachings and warning us. Every, every revelation of God has life-changing value. Is the truth. Is the truth. Every revelation God brings us has life-changing value. And we must be people who love the truth. Love for the truth will make us go after it. We make us pay the price for it. There is nothing valuable that comes cheap. The treasure that Jesus was teaching, he says when you find it, you give up everything and you go for it. You dig. He taught us about this. He said it is in the ground. You dig it. You dig and bring it. He said when you find this treasure, you sell everything you have and go for it because you found something that's more value than ever. Paul said there's nothing to compare in value with the, knowledge, with, the, with, the, with the value of knowing Jesus Christ. He found that treasure. So he gave his entire life to it. He gave it to knowing Jesus. He said, I don't want to know anything except Christ crucified. He, he called him indescribable gift. He was amazed by who Jesus is. He believed in him. He said, I'm prepared to die for him. He knew the love of Jesus. Not only the voice of Jesus, he knew his love for him. He knew his high priestly ministry right now before God for us. And he said we can enter boldly because we have a great high priest. And then that great high priest by his blood has assured us that, that grace and mercy will flow from that throne of grace because of the blood. And because he's ministering before God on our behalf. Mercy cannot be denied us. Paul wrote this thing. It baffled him. John said, what manner of love is this that we shall be called sons of God? That's what the truth does. When you know the truth, live in the truth, you live free. You live free of deceit. You live free of bondages. You live free of everything. And then you experience the truth yourself. It becomes reality in your life. Also, all these things we are teaching, we should have interest in them. We should study them. We should pray about them. We should desire them, like the scriptures say, desire these things. Well, if the Holy Spirit says to you, desire those, desire those things, you should desire them. That's what it says, yielding to what the word of God is saying. Then you can now enjoy all the fullness of God's desire for your life. The Lord will help us in Jesus' name. Amen. Let us pray. Father, we just want to thank you again for the scriptures that we've had. Thank you for the ministration. We trust you with it that by your spirit will help us, Lord, to understand all of these things and to be doers of your word and not people who deceive themselves. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.